G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Ashley Saunders, welcome back to 2020. Oh, good morning, Neil, and thank you. Well, Ashley, you would have sat up like everybody did on Tuesday night, watching the Treasurer deliver the budget, and uh, you would have seen all of the adulation that's around it and uh, the way that Malcolm Turnbull's been considered a fixer and uh, fixing up a lot of the mess from the past and a lot of people saying that the budget was a wonderful document. Uh, what are your thoughts on how the budget is after the dust has begun to settle? I guess there'll always be ups and downs and there'll always be pluses and minuses. From a Christian perspective, I think it's worth thinking about a few things or talking about a few things. Firstly, the role of um, uh, or or the proposal to drug test some welfare recipients. And that's received both some good press and some bad press. And I think from a Christian perspective, we need to ask ourselves, what is the purpose of welfare and and, and who funds that? And certainly uh, the whole of the nation funds that. And uh, we need to demonstrate care and concern for those who are financially unable to care for themselves, and that's a a very good Christian thing to do. Um, At the same time, welfare shouldn't be seen as something that is meant to support a lifestyle and certainly not to support a destructive lifestyle. And uh, therefore, uh, I come down as a a Christian on the side of saying there are some benefits in, in, in the idea of hoping to identify whether welfare is being used to... Um, support people in negative lifestyles, in destructive lifestyles, maybe even in illegal lifestyles. Uh, And if we can uh, pull uh, even a small number of people out of that mire, then I think that's a good thing. It did seem to me, and I was having a little bit of a conversation similar to this with a budget debrief with a couple of our commentators yesterday, when we talked about this whole issue, a populist measure, as some people are talking about it, drug testing some welfare recipients. And it did seem that the populist idea came to the fore because there was no link to what sort of help and support might be given to those young people if they do, in fact, uh, uh, come up positive uh, in a drug test. Uh, did you think that there should have been some sort of extra add-on that, uh, that would have supported those young people? Uh, not only would I, I... I would hope that that would still be part of the proposal. And uh, I think it is important to provide people with support. It is important to provide people with um, the tools... Um, in order to get out of that lifestyle, in order to break those habits, in order to get out of those destructive cycles. I imagine that uh, talking about uh, young people in the dull queue and being drug tested, uh, that actually is really just the tip of the iceberg because uh, there's an awful lot of people who receive government taxpayer money. Uh, There was nobody suggesting that pensioners should be drug tested and then you had uh, Senator Jackie Lambie suggesting that politicians uh, should be randomly drug tested too. Uh, I mean is it singling out, is it some sort of discrimination against uh, those young unemployed people standing in the dole queue? Uh, Some people would argue that. I guess I would take a broader view and just again talk about the fact that it is welfare, it's intended for a purpose 
um, it is paid for by the population of Australia. And, um, and if, if by doing this we're able to, or the government is able to, um, identify even a small number of people and break them from destructive cycles, I really think that's good for them and will actually put them in a better place uh, to enable them to compete in the labour market or if they're on other benefits to get themselves better again. Ashley, other issues. The banks are in the spotlight because of this new levy on the banks. Uh, What was your impression after getting that news from the budget? Um, It's the sort of thing that has been said, and I think probably um, not incorrectly. It's the sort of thing that um, uh, maybe uh, a Labor government would like to do but wouldn't uh, perhaps um, feel themselves brave enough to do that. Um, And... um, uh, Certainly, whatever comes out of the budget is going to be paid for some way. And um, uh, the comment that I took a bit of notice of yesterday was from one of the credit unions that said that um, they actually see this as a good thing because by putting this levy or super tax on the, on the larger banks, it actually removes some of the impediments that mean that the smaller operators are not able to compete as effectively. And so if that's the effect, that's not a bad thing. Um, one of the things that needs to be looked at is whether or not um, it will simply be passed on to customers in another way. And uh, I was pleased to see that there was a bit of a, it was a new task force put, I think, into the uh, ACCC uh, to be able to monitor those things. Uh, the former Queensland Premier, Anna Bly, is uh, fronting the media and she these days is a spokesperson for the banking industry and saying the banks won't be able to easily absorb the tax uh, saying that you know the cost will be passed through to shareholders and bank customers, and so in some respects, uh, she actually does make a good point that when there is a tax on the banks, it's actually a way that the government may well be trying to draw the banks into line or even attack the banks as maybe seen as a good thing. But it is a stealth way of actually taxing all Australians who use those banks. Uh, yep, and uh, certainly. Uh, as I said, whenever there's any proposal, somebody has to pay for it. If it's if it's a spending proposal in the budget, it's got to be paid for in some way. If it's a taxing um, proposal in the budget, then again, that's that's paid for by somebody. And uh, where the banks are concerned, there's really only three options, and that is that it's paid for by the customers, uh, it's paid for by the shareholders, uh, or it's simply um, uh, you know, taken off their net profit for a particular year, which may in fact also mean that it's paid for um, by the shareholders be, uh, by way of reduced dividends. So um, certainly anything that comes through in the budget, someone has to pay for it. One of the things that I found amazing looking at the headlines in the newspapers around the states yesterday was that in this budget um, that has millions or billions of dollars uh, being spent, um, uh, almost every state was saying um, um, Queensland misses out, South Australia misses out, Western Australia misses out. And, um, and one commentator made the, made the point yesterday afternoon that in a, a fairly large spending budget, every state believes they're missing out, so where's it all going? Mm. And then there's the other issue when it comes to uh, taxation, and that is, of course, the rise in the Medicare levy and uh, for the good cause of funding the NDIS, the National Disability Insurance Scheme. Uh, what were your thoughts about that uh, idea of increasing that Medicare levy, because, again, that's another new rising tax, isn't it? It is indeed, and it's for a good purpose. 
Um, I don't think that there is any serious opposition to the aims of the National Disability Insurance Scheme, and it needs to be fully funded. Um, it was fully funded, as I understand, up to a certain period of time, and then it needed to be fully funded thereafter. And again, it's got to be paid for by, by somebody in some way. And uh, we all need to recognise that the government doesn't have money, that the government simply has our money, and, um, and we entrust the government to use our money in ways that are wise. And in terms of using that money for the NDIS, um, I think that's a very good use of the money. And, um, and, and I really don't think that there would be much serious opposition to um, a small rise in the Medicare levy um, to fund such an important scheme. And I don't think anyone's arguing with that. But, Ashley, uh, let me just put you uh, to, to, your, uh, to your thoughts on, on the idea of, of just simply raising taxes uh, in the way that seems like a fairly easy thing to do. Oh, we'll just increase the Medicare levy because earlier governments uh, were looking for creative ways to fund the NDIS and, you know, looking for all sorts of creative ways uh, that there might be different uh, revenue coming from different sources and, and you know, people wouldn't necessarily notice too much uh, some rising taxation in other areas because they were trying to be creative about it. So is this a masterstroke from the Turnbull government or is it that they ran out of creative ways of raising the money by not introducing too much pain, and yet for some this will be quite painful, just adding it to the Medicare levy? So it sounds like the master stroke is just simply, oh, well, let's just, uh, we'll just raise the tax. Everyone will know what we're doing. It might be a master stroke, and it might be um, um, a simple way of doing it, and it might be neither of those things. Um, the bigger, the bigger um, issue, I think, is how do... Uh, we fund things. You either fund things through savings um, or you fund them through particular levies or taxes or you fund them by debt. Um, so either we pay for it one way or another or our children pay for it um, by increased uh, debt. And it is important, I think, to recognise the role of government and that, as I've said before, they don't actually have funds. They simply have our funds on trust. And, um, and so the question I think that's appropriate is, is this the fairest way of making sure that those who have the ability to pay or an ability to pay something make a contribution at the exp and making sure that those who don't have as much ability to pay, um, pay less? That's the real question. And I think that's the, uh, that, that's the focus of, uh, of where I'd like to see the discussion to make sure that something is being funded, that it's not being foisted on our children through increased debt, but that mechanism for funding it um, means that those who have an ability to make a contribution do so, and those who don't, um, don't. Ashley, let's move on to a completely different uh, subject. Uh, you'll be aware that on Tuesday night in Melbourne, another hotel uh, caught in the crossfire of the debate about the very contentious Safe Schools program, uh, the Hotel Arrow on Swanston in Carlton, they had agreed to host an Australian Christian lobby event on that night. Uh, and there were going to be speakers who were talking about the safe schools and gender reassignment. Uh, you would have uh, read that in the headlines and you might have been following that along. And, of course, you're not ACL, you're Family Voice Australia, but, uh, but in some respects fighting the same battles and uh, under the same pressures here. What did you think when you heard that uh, there was a, a, a protest that turned a little bit nasty? 
Uh, I'm always dismayed at the increased pressure there is in Australian society uh, on people who want to stand up for something that is not in keeping with uh, the agenda of uh, what might be called the cultural Marxists. And um, uh, we really ought to be able to have legitimate debate. We ought to be able to have um, a sincere debate. We should not be pressured. And I guess in this context, it is, it is appropriate for uh, me to denounce the person who um, put the pie in the face of Qantas CEO Joyce the other day. Um, uh, there's been some suggestion uh, that he was a Christian activist who was against uh, Qantas and Joyce's push for same-sex marriage. And um, uh, I really am dismayed that, um, that people feel so pressured that they can't talk or people feel so pressured that they can't have a public meeting or that they can't have a legitimate public debate, um, that um, businesses are being pressured not to make your rooms available for these things. There's even a suggestion in some states um, that, um, that in order for Christian churches to uh, have access to some public schools, um, you know, there needs to be some um, um, idea of the sorts of things they would be saying or the sorts of positions that those... Christian groups and churches hold on uh, on social issues, and it really is amazingly um, destructive for our society and for the freedoms that we hold dear. And it is to the point where, when there are meetings that are being held to discuss uh, these controversial issues, that there is a compulsion to hire security guards and to notify police before the meeting because there's attention going to be given to it. Protests are going to happen. People potentially could become out of control. Uh, these sorts of things, uh, it's, it's almost a tragedy that we've gotten to this point, Ashley. It's more than a tragedy. It, it is scandalous. It is scandalous that a country that prides itself on freedom, that prides itself on freedom of conscience, uh, on the ability to act on that conscience, that uh, hi- highlights... Um, supposedly freedom of speech, um, is getting to that point where uh, where meetings have to be in secret or where you have to go to the expense of um, hiring security guards. It is, it, it's not a tragedy. It's worse than that. It's a scandal. And it's about time that um, uh, leaders and uh, ordinary men and women in society stood up and said, um, that's enough. Uh, we're not going to put up with that. Uh, we want uh, Australia to be the Australia that we love, not that kind of place. Well, freedom of speech doesn't come cheap and it does demand uh, that there are those who are going to be courageous enough to stand up and fight for freedom of speech. Uh, Ashley Saunders, always good getting your insights and I'll point people to the Family Voice Australia website, fava.org.au. Ashley Saunders, the National Director of Family Voice Australia. Thanks so much for sharing your thoughts with us again today, Ashley. Uh, You're welcome and uh, good morning to your listeners. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au